Blooming Inspired Podcast, equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast. And I want to take a minute just to tell you how excited I am this morning to share with you that our website, bloominginspirednetwork.com, has our statement of faith, our beliefs, listed out there under the About tab, along with our mission, our vision, and our values. So if you want to know more about what we're about and why we're doing what we're doing, you can go to our about page, our mission, vision, and values page, and our beliefs page to learn a little more about who we are, what we stand for, and what we hope to do as the Blooming Inspired Network. Also, I would like to announce that today I set up a fundraiser specifically for the purpose of developing the Bible study this fall and initiating our 501c3 and nonprofit status filing with the state of Texas and the IRS. And so I want to give you that website link. So if you're interested in supporting the ministry and help us helping us become a nonprofit charitable organization where your gifts and donations become a tax deductible gift, um, then please visit bloominginspirednetwork.com forward slash, now get ready, forward slash we dash need dash your dash help forward slash bloominginspirednetwork.com forward slash we dash need dash your dash help. You can also go to our Facebook page, Blooming Inspired Network's Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Blooming Inspired. And we've got it um, posted right there for you to check out. And so um, prayerfully consider whether or not God would have you partner with us by giving an offering to help us achieve our goal of becoming a nonprofit organization by the end of 2018. So today, God has conveniently landed me in 1 John chapter 1. At the end of chapter 2, he begins to talk about abiding in Christ. But if we go back to... um, Golly, I I just want to read through this, and maybe this is how we'll finish out our week, is we'll read through the whole book of 1 John, because I feel like there's so much here that, that leads us to that place of abiding. So be listening for those clues about what we're talking about this week. It's the condition of our heart where we started on Monday, where we lay out the pieces of our lives before Him every day. And then seek him through the secret place and making our hearts his dwelling place. So first John begins, and it's like John is teaching a class on the first book he wrote because he kind of reviews what he shared in the first chapter and throughout the book of John. He says in verse one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested. That was Jesus. And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Now, in this sense, eternal life is Jesus Christ. By the way, I'm reading in the New King James. 
which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So he writes for two reasons. And I I just kind of sit here. He doesn't identify who the we is. But I wonder if the we is he and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father. That you may have fellowship with us. Of course, he's probably likely referring to other apostles and disciples of Christ who are with him at the time of this writing. And he says he writes for two reasons. One, so that they may have fellowship with him and Christ by that extension, because their fellowship is with the Father and his Son, and that their joy may be full. And remember that what John is writing here is a letter to a specific church. And I am going to switch over to one of my Bibles that has some background information on the book of John. While I get there, I'm going to encourage you to continue to look in John and let me know um, through email how this is resonate with you. What are you taking away? The purpose of John, John wrote his magisterial letter to bring the churches back into unity and clarity of faith and beckon them to hold fast to the tradition and values they had already committed themselves to in Christ. They were There were false teachers who had come in and divided the flock with doctrines that diminished the glory of Christ. John's teaching always takes us deeper into the truth and ways of God and deeper into love for Jesus. Anything that moves the heart away from loving Christ and loving others is to be viewed as suspect and diversionary. We can thank God for John's three letters to consistently point us back to life. Although some contestant, there should be little doubt that the Apostle John was responsible for writing the letter of passion, this letter of passion, probably while he was in Ephesus around AD 85. The opening of the letter itself bears strikingly similar to the gospel that bears his name, extolling the living expression of God in almost poetic language. There are at least 12 other passages that have direct connection in both language, style, and scope with the fourth gospel. Twelve passages showing that the beloved disciple of Jesus was the author of his this beloved letter. Unlike his other two letters, First John is not addressed to certain ones, but to everyone. No particular audience is addressed in this letter, although there are was a community over which John was an overseer in spiritual authority and fatherhood. Many believe John wrote this letter to clarify what he wrote earlier about the truth of Christ and to correct misinterpretations and misapplication of his own testimony, especially by false teachers who had infiltrated this community. It was meant to encourage the believers who had been scattered by Roman war and serve to encourage them in their understanding of their faith. Major themes, preserving and discerning truth. In John's gospel, he wrote his account of Jesus's life so that you will fully believe that Jesus is the anointed one, the son of God. He testified to the same truth in this letter so that those who believed wouldn't be led astray and would be assured and know without a doubt that you have eternal life in Christ. Such assurance and knowledge comes through the truth about Jesus, the anointed one, the son of God that John sought to preserve and help believers discern. 
John was writing to a community troubled by false teachers who had distorted the truth of the gospel. For John, truth and gospel are equated, for the good news is about the one who was the truth. So he defined a number of truths that one must believe in order to know eternal life, and encouraged ongoing discernment of that truth. Discernment is a major theme in this letter, and it is the task of the church to test the spirits, to carefully examine what they say, to determine if they are of God. It also has a warning against Antichrist. It covers extensively the character of God. One of the more profound unveilings in First John is the character of God. Take a look at all we learn about him in John's spirit-anointed letter. God is pure light without a trace of darkness or impurity, faithfully forgives us of our sins, cleansing us from all of righteousness, the essence of love, for he continually exists being love, the reality of all that is true, and the Father God who saves, having sent his Son into the world as its Savior. Ultimately, everything that is true about God is ours, because we have been born of God and enjoy unbroken fellowship with him. The centrality of Christ. It's only when we properly understand who Jesus Christ is that we can accept experience the heart of God. A distorted picture of Christ distorts how we live. Pay attention to that. Which is why Christ takes center stage in John's letter. Every chapter is fixed on him. He is unveiled as the living expression of God. He is our atoning sacrifice, the one who shed his blood for our sins. He is our paraclete, who advocates before the Father's throne on our behalf. He is our standard for living and the one in whom we are to actively remain. He will transform us into himself when he appears. He has come in real life flesh, not merely as a spirit presence. And our new birth depends on believing in him, for he is the center of our believing as much as our faith. And then walking as disciples in Christ. His letter largely concerns with preserving and discerning the truth about Jesus. Yet truth isn't only something to know in the head. It's something that we do with our whole self. John uses the metaphor of walking for the kind of life we're called to live, an image from the Hebrew scriptures suggesting a manner and style of living that one is fully committed to. And we are to walk in the pure light, not the realm of darkness. We are to walk in self-sacrificing love, not hate. Disciples of Christ walk the truth, which manifests itself as love. Of course, we know what love is because of Jesus. This is how we discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. John says the essence of our Christian life is emulating this love, which results in fellowship with God. So with all of that said, let's go back to our reading. We're in verse 5. This is the message which you we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, persist in a lifestyle given over to sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. And who is the truth? The truth is Jesus. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, the more we understand his word, the more we understand not only that sin is is the issue that he redeemed us from, but we remember that Jesus didn't just die for what we did. He died for who we are. He died to call you back to who you were originally created to be. 
And so in this, we see if we confess our sin, and the more we read God's word, the more we recognize what our personal sins are. And I say sins because for, I don't know about you, but for me, they are many. I've committed many, many sins over the course of my 48-year life. And sometimes I still do. I'm prone to exaggeration. So sometimes I exaggerate. I gossip at times. I sometimes am dishonoring and disrespectful to others. Just last night I had that encounter with my father where I was vehemently defending my position and not considering that it was not honoring him. And he's part of the reason why I'm reading 1 John today. So, um, and by the way, I did send him an apology and I repented quickly of that transgression, but it was very, very telling of where my heart was with him because I moved quickly out of love and into proving myself right. And I don't have to prove my righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. He proved it all. All I have to do is walk in him. And when I get out of step with him, my job is to repent quickly, to recognize and repent quickly. And let me tell you that I practice it. Every day I practice it. I lay, like it said in Psalm chapter 5, I lay out my life before the Lord and I ask Him to examine it and show me where I'm off step with Him, where there is darkness in my life so that I can walk away from it. Sometimes I move out of that quickly and sometimes it takes me a bit. But what I know about God is He's gentle, He's patient, He's kind, He's slow to anger, He's aboundingly good, He's faithful even when we're not. And it says he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. That word to forgive in the Greek appears to the best of my understanding. And I'm not a Greek scholar. I have looked this word up. I have looked at the tenses of the the verb to forgive. And I've discovered that it is a word that indicates a past completed action with continuing future results. So here's the picture. Back on the cross, when Jesus died, All of our sins, past, present, and future, were cast upon Him. But when I come before the Lord in my daily life, making confession of the right now sins that I know I've committed, and I named them specifically, I lied, Um, I overdrew my checking account, I gossiped about that person, I judged that person, I didn't do what I knew I should do today. I didn't do the laundry because I wanted to do this or I wanted to stay in bed. Those who know the good they ought to do and do not do it, to them it becomes sin. And serving my husband in my home is a part of the good I ought to do. And if I don't do it, it's sin. And so I'm confessing these things to him on a regular basis. But what I've realized is the more intentional I am about confession, the less prone I am to sin. It's a key, and it's a very powerful and important key. My goodness, we're going to make it through chapter 1. We might be moving into next week with this, too. We'll see how it goes. So we can't say we don't have sin. And I suspect that that he's responding to people who have been going around saying, You don't need to confess your sins. You don't need to do this. You don't sin. You don't walk in darkness. You're a good person. So all you have to do 
is be circumcised to be saved. All you have to do is believe in Jesus and confess it with your mouth and you're saved and there's nothing else you need to do. I believe an integral part of coming to terms with our salvation is recognizing that it was personally my sin that put him on the cross. I'm not saying I have to wallow around in how sinful I am. I'm saying I need to come to the revelation of what that moment meant and what it cost him because the price is highly valuable get emotional just thinking about it. You see, I didn't, the moment this happened for me was a number of years ago. It was probably about 13 years ago. And, um, and I was doing a Bible study and I, and God really kind of woke me out of the middle of the night and got me up and I had a bad attitude and he put me in the, and he, and he ended up putting me in the floor by listening to this teacher in the middle of the night. And, um, all the sins I had left unconfessed started to move through my mind. And my awareness was that put Jesus on the cross. That put Jesus on the cross. That put, not how bad I am, that put Jesus on the cross. And I'm weeping because I'm realizing what it cost God for me to do those things. And then God totally redeemed it by, by showing my, my, me myself in the mirror and telling me that he created me beautiful. And he still saw me as beautiful, even though I'd made a mess out of my life at, to some extent. He's a redemptive, fully redeeming God. So with the last few minutes that we have, let's finish up at least this chapter. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you get that? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. His word is not in us. See, part of this idea of making God's God our dwelling place and making our hearts His dwelling place is this idea that His Word, His truth, all of His character and His nature lives inside of us. And if we want to act out of it, we just have to tap in. We just have to become more aware of Him than we are of ourselves. That's what I believe it means to die to your flesh. Yes, it does mean not doing the things you used to do and taking on the mind of Christ. But also it means put even when those appetites and desires come up, we put them off in favor of focusing on who he is in us. And this is the key to knowing who you are. It's not about figuring out who I am. And I talk about being a wildflower and God's called me a wildflower. And I believe those things are true. But being a wildflower is how Christ wants to express himself through me. I can grow unattended. That's a quality of Christ. At 12 years old, he was teaching in the synagogue. I'm pretty sure that was unheard of during his time. So as we close out today's Bible study, I want to ask you, is there unconfessed sin in your life? Is there an area where you persist in sin? You know, in the Psalms, it affirms what John says here. If I have cherished sin in my heart, you will not hear my prayer. God, it's like hitting the ceiling and bouncing off. So is there unconfessed sin in your life that you need to pour out so God can pour more of himself into you? Have you ever tried um, to fill a picture full of ice cubes or rocks with water? It doesn't hold much water, right? So if we got stuff in our life and stuff in our heart that needs to be drawn out and cast out and confessed so that God can reinforce Feel us with who he is. That isn't it worth doing every day, laying out the pieces of your life before him? So let's ask him. Let's ask him to do that for us today. Ho, ha, ha, ha. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. 
I love you. I'm so undone by your presence and your goodness and what you've done for us. And scripture says in Psalm 139, you have searched me and known me. You've searched me, God, and you know me. You created me. You know when I sit and I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And in the end, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You're so good, God. You're so good. And when I look back on my life, I realize that the only thing that made me worthy was you. You decided I was worthy and you called me to it. So today, God, we ask you to examine our hearts, to search our hearts and test our hearts and our thoughts and to reveal to us if there is an offensive way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. If during that prayer, some things began to come to your mind, just confess them. Say specifically what you saw and tell God, this is my sin that I've sinned against you. I'm confessing it to you. I thank you that you're faithful, you've forgiven me, and you've cleansed me of all unrighteousness. Appropriate to yourself what it is that God did for you. You don't have to make a sacrifice to get your sin redeemed. You just have to confess it and be cleansed. And then do as Jesus told so many people when he walked this earth. Go and sin no more. And you know, you might slip. There might be life patterns you need to deal with. But in Jesus' name, we come before you, God. And we say you have the power and the supernatural ability to change our minds and to change our hearts. So bring us through your loving kindness to repentance, God. And teach us to walk in the way everlasting, in the way of Jesus, fully in the light. I thank you for John's letters and I thank you for what you revealed to them me as I read them and I pray God that many would be blessed and encouraged by this word spoken today it's in Jesus name we pray amen I feel like we ran a marathon in a few minutes but it's just so heavy on my heart that we have to be convicted and brought up to the standard of Christ's righteousness again and again and again and have that fleshy heart of ours circumcised over and over and over again by the grace and the love and the mercy of God. It's his loving kindness that draws us to repentance. Thank you for tuning in. If you feel inspired to give, again, you can go to bloominginspirednetwork.com. Look under About, and you will find a donation link there along with our statement of faith or our beliefs and our mission, vision, and values. I'm so grateful to have you along on the journey with me. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at admin at bloominginspirednetwork.com, admin at bloominginspirednetwork.com. You can also click the events tab and sign up for our prophetic retreats. We have one coming up in October. It's just a few weeks away, October 12th and 13th. 
And so if you'd like to come to our prophetic retreat on October 12th and 13th, you need to get your registration in. It's $150. I'm going to have to make a decision about this retreat. I have three spots available on the retreat and would love for you to be there. It's going to be three days, Thursday evening, all day Friday and Saturday morning. It includes two nights lodging and five meals for the retreat. And I'm looking forward to just spending time with you in the Lord and spending time in His presence, um, ministering to you, giving you space to encounter and experience Him in powerful ways and to be encouraged and comforted and built up in the Lord and who you are and who He is in you, really. Who is Christ in you? That's a good question. Maybe you should ask that. We've also got Bible study coming up October 20th. We will be airing that on Facebook Live. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Blooming Inspired. You can also find our giving link right there on the Facebook page. Um, I will be airing that again on Facebook Beginning October 20th, we start the video at 1030. And if you're in the Granbury area, go to our website, sign up for the Bible study. It's under the Bible study link and under the events link. Sign up for our Bible study and let me know you're coming here in town or that you're watching online. There's a way to do either on the registration form because I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to get more personal with you. I'd love to know that you're tuning in. And um, I'm looking forward to this Bible study. We're going to be studying the book of Mark, and I'm very excited about it. Very excited about what God's showing me, what He's speaking to me these days. And so I would love to hear from you. And I pray that you are blessed, blessed, blessed by God. Blessed in your going out, blessed in your coming in, blessed in your heart of hearts toward Him. So with that said, I want you to remember that blooming where you're planted is the first step to living your wildest dreams. So live your life in that fullness of Christ that's blooming alive.